The Creative Trust is a limited podcast series to celebrate 20 years of Gloss Creative. Together with our stellar alumni, we'll share everything we know to be true about the creative process and the business reality of running a small but powerful design platform. Two decades ago, I started Gloss Creative as my creative platform for experimentation and exploration. What has ensued has been an endlessly rewarding creation of ephemeral installations, each one put up, pulled down, each one leaving an enduring mark on its audience. I learned early on that I could make audiences fall in love with environments simply by making them feel and experience something. Memories that lasted long after the physical immersion had gone. It crystallized my long-held belief that your business plan is to harness your unbridled creative force and that creative renewal is your most powerful weapon over time. Welcome to the Creative Trust. Welcome, Joel. Thank you for inviting me to participate in this. Uh, so Amanda and I have been talking about her creating a podcast for years. Amanda's insights, perspective and manner lend themselves perfectly to this format. So it's exciting that we find ourselves at this point where it's poised to come to life. Amanda's agency, Gloss Creative, is renowned for the magic that it delivers, a product of Amanda's otherworldly creativity and that of the exceptional team that she's, she's assembled. Creativity pulsates through every gloss touchstone. It's her brand's life force. To follow Amanda's work is a study in applied creativity. So it stands that this is where the conversation starts. As I said, anyone who's had the pleasure of spending time with Amanda knows that you walk away feeling energized, motivated, and curious. So exploring these concepts with you should be a treat. You've christened your podcast series, The Creative Trust. Um, where does that name come from? As you know, every business that survives for a long time has an accountant. And when he set up our company 20 years ago, obviously our trading name was Gloss Creative, but without my knowledge, when he set up the trust company, he obviously made up a name and he thought, oh yeah, they're the creative types. So he called it the Creative Trust. And, you know, I've seen that name occasionally, but it's only now in this 20th year that I've gone, wow, that actually means something, Creative Trust. So I thought, Let's call the podcast that. It's a perfect name. I think, you know, we're going to talk about creativity a lot, but I think maybe just delve a little bit more into your definition of trust. People always say to me, oh, my God, your clients must trust you. And I, and I sort of say, yeah, they do, but you still have to do the work. I feel like every time, you know, you get a job, um, they do trust you, but then they always they'll still question everything. You know, it's not that they just let you go and do what you want, but I guess, you know, renewed trust builds over time, yep. you know. So I feel like, um, yeah, trust is kind of, it's a double-edged sword really. Um, yeah. So what are your goals for this podcast series, The Creative Trust? It's our 20th year. So we started in 2001. So I thought, what, what could we do to celebrate you know, and obviously a big party's not a thing this year. I had the pleasure of doing a masterclass earlier this year with Andrew Mitchell from The Design Coach and um, the 20 amazing creatives we had to that were filled with questions, you know, at two hours. On two hours of that, they were still putting their hands up and asking questions. And I guess 
people, the questions that I get from people, I feel like people want to know that stuff and I'm really happy to share. We've always been a platform of people who share. We share everything. We share food. We share, we share our ideas and that gives me a lot of joy. So I guess this idea is really, you know, we create these incredible temporary worlds, I guess, you know, these sort of magical places that people remember and, you know, it takes a lot to do that. So I'm really interested in sharing the whole background to that. Um, I think that'll be amazing. So I guess this podcast is dedicated to sharing our creative process and the business insights that I've sort of gleaned over the last two decades, which is pretty exciting. So um, we're going to have some, we've got, I think we're going to do about eight. So the list keeps growing. Um, but the first one, I think we'll talk about um, vision, how to, you know, how to get it, how to create it, what it is, because after all, you know, creativity is the business plan. That's what it's about. It's creativity. You didn't, you didn't tell your business. accountant that, did you? <laughs> no. Well, he's been happy for 20 <laughs> years to send me his invoices and they're eventually paid, so it's all good. Um, uh, so, yeah, so I think, you know, how to generate ideas. So that'll be one. Then there'll be – we'll do a whole one on the creative process. I mean, that could be eight of them anyway, couldn't it Absolutely. really? Yeah, we could we – could, yeah, we'll get the alumni here and we'll just keep, you know, pumping through that. Um, then later today we've actually got Steph D'Alberto, Jahan Posma and Zara Guastella coming to talk about the mood board, which will be pretty exciting. The good old, you know, it's not just pictures. <laughs> um, and particularly its place – excuse me, within the creative process. Then um, Ross Sabatini is going to join us and we're going to talk about like selling the dream. And selling to me is a really weird word. I don't see myself as selling anything, although I guess I am. But once you've got these amazing ideas after your creative process, how do you, how do you get other people to fall in love with them? How do you get others to believe, love, enthuse and own those ideas so that you can then, you know, they'll give you the money to make the dream happen, you know. So I think that's kind of a huge one for people, you know. And I, and I feel like obviously that's something that you've always been amazing at, like enthusing others <laughs> about your ideas as well. And I think it stems from the, the creative vision, similar to, to what you're um, selling, essentially. I think, you know, that this is something that obviously, as you learn through the masterclass, anyone you engage with, they're definitely keen to hear. So obviously it's amazing that you're yeah. putting this out there. Yeah. But I do think that the, what you touched on earlier around transparency and not with, you know, not, not keeping this um, creativity to yourself, whether that yeah. be through answering a question or what you put out into the world through the product. I think generosity is kind of, you know, one of the hallmarks of our brand in a way, whether it's generous in spirit, generous, you know, in giving, you know, we, generosity is such an important thing for us. And obviously you, you, you're 20 years in, but have you always felt that? Yes. So that's something that since you yeah. started engaging with other, other people or creatives, you've always approached it with that, that same dynamic yeah and I think that's part of being in a team you know VM it's like a team-based pursuit and I feel like everyone in that team you know when you and you start 
you're at the bottom of the team kind of thing, but you're included in everything. So this inclusion, I guess, is my word. My word for that is generosity of spirit. It's like inclusive and that sort of thing as well. So I feel like generosity is pretty um, important. Um, just to come back, the other podcasts, we're also going to talk about some of the things that's going to be great. One's the client. What do they really want? What do they want, Joel? <laughs> you know. I don't know today. Tomorrow I might know. Um, so, you know, all the stuff that I've learned about what clients really want has taken me like 20 years to work it out. I'm a bit slow sometimes, but um, we're going to have some really interesting discussion about expectations, you know, what could possibly go wrong a lot. Um, so I think that'll be great then. The beautiful Bruce Keeble is going to come in and speak with us as well about wanting to be an event designer, which will be amazing. Yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing. Amazing. I think, um, you know, it's really it's, it's exciting for everyone to be privy. And I think um, a lot of people who would draw from this are those who are either in the creative field or looking for a career in a creative realm or pursuit. Do you think everyone is creative in some way, shape or form. Definitely. I feel like there are levels to creativity and I feel like the biggest thing that people misunderstand, they uh, interpret creativity as artistry or art-like. Right. And I feel that creativity is your expression of, you know, your skills. So whether you're an engineer a rocket scientist, a medical person, a bank robber, a bank robber, you know, a cement layer, whatever it is, I think there's creativity in everything. I'm quite surprised that people don't really understand that. I think it's it's quite obvious and I think it's this whole creativity that does now drive innovation and I think everyone's realized the value in that and it has, you know, 40 years ago, it was like, oh, my God, you've got a creative daughter. What are you going to do? Um, but now I feel like creativity has a value and it's valued yeah. in, in different in different industries. But I think, yeah, everyone's creative. Well, I think that the, the key to that is that uh, creativity is actually the thought process first and then it's the application second. So I think mm. you touched on that in terms mm. of, the, the, you know, that, that inter- misinterpretation around art. Yes, yes. Um, only be the, being the only product of creativity? Not true. And tell me, do you think creativity can be learned? Is it something like all those who are, you know, right brain people, we can sit here smugly and go, yeah, I can see that vision. You know, I can think in visual pictures. Not everyone can. Do you think it's something that can be learned? Good question. I think it can be unlocked. So I do think everyone is creative and I think that the application of people's creativity looks different and that's the beauty of it. Um, so I think you have to, for those who maybe haven't embraced mm. that creativity, it's a matter of finding ways to unlock it. Uh, and that could be by reminding people that it's that the spectrum is so wide. And I think that's mm. what excites me about creativity as well, is that there's not one form that defines it. It's it's completely undefined. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that we we all need to probably work harder to revere creativity because despite the fact it gets recognised more, like you said, and it's not a it's not a career death sentence. I think that 
the world still probably doesn't um, revere creativity in the way it should and to recognise that it's something that takes the culture forward. Um, so it's not it's, it's not fr- frivolous in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I guess actually that's a really good – that's a whole other podcast <laughs> actually is what we do frivolous, you know. Uh, often I think, wow, we're at the fluffy end of things. But, you know, over time I've come to understand that our type of creativity is actually bringing the joy to people. It's we're at a very short moment of time where there's something to be celebrated and it's this intensity that comes to the creativity that brings the joy. And I feel like I've come to understand over time that what we do can be joyful and it's not just lightweight. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's funny because probably with the perspective of 20 years, you're able to look at things very differently and despite the fact that a lot of your work is perhaps temporary productions, the creativity that exists is 20 years worth and so it could be even the beautiful team that you've assembled and, you know, the success that everyone within that team has achieved um, with you independently, that, that, that comes from the creative that Gloss established. So it's different to a, a, a marquee or an event that's one night or a window installation or whatever the product of the actual work is but it's actually, you know, there's a bigger creative force at play. And it took me a long time in my creative understanding. You know, I was the child that couldn't do long-term projects and I was particularly excited when I started in VM that everything was just short little program, you know, things to do. It was like dress the model, do that window thing, do this, make that, go and do that. And that suited me. But then I've understood over time that lots of little things make out these really big things. And like you said, like half of the joy for me has been seeing and working with people over the last 20 years, you know, who are maybe 20 years, at least 20 years younger than me, and to see what's happened there has been so joyful and so much fun. Yeah, that's just been pretty incredible to see that creativity as well. Can you do your best to define your own creativity? At this point, I guess my creativity is practised. It's I'm the person who's thought up, you know, the 30,000 ideas or whatever it is. So my creativity is very honed in terms of the way that I go about things, you know, any of the visions that we have and that I have, I know how to, I can get them, there's a shorthand for me. If a client is talking about an idea that they want, I can almost start, as I'm talking to them, coming up with ideas on the run. Um, You know, they're, they're somewhere at the back there. It just clicks into that vision mode, you know, seeing this end product. And the other thing I think to define my creativity now like linked mastery in a way it's like I can make creative links fairly easily and that's something that I notice you do in I mean obviously working with brands you're even making those links way wider than what I'd ever do and I feel like that's something that's kind of been your genius all along is like bringing all those 
cr- disparate threads together. My, my genius, my genius is a forty-part part podcast series. So <laughs> it will coming, be. That's soon. <laughs> You're just bouncing yeah, from so here, Joel. Not about my genius. <laughs> so we're, we're we're focused on those, but um, no. But this linking yeah. of create creative thoughts and bringing them together into something new is pretty exciting, and I think that's part of my creativity as well. I mean, I think that's fundamental in that a lot of the ability to succeed creatively is around the plot points being able to turn it to turn what might be really disparate thoughts and ideas and visuals into something that's going to translate something. and mean something mm. and particularly for the type of work you do we're not talking about um we're, we're talking about quite commercial often so totally so that means it needs to cut through quickly even though there's a lot of depth of creativity, it needs to translate to anyone anyone's interpretation. So I think that's incredible that you know you, you you've been able to recognize that because again, I think the other thing that's hard about creativity is recognizing it in yourself, trusting it in yourself. Mm. You know, to be able to trust when you're working in creative, to be able to trust yourself um, can be challenging. And I feel like that just happens over time as well. You know, in the early stages of you know, learning creativity, every time you have a new idea and have to deliver it, you're almost feeling sick to the stomach. And later on, I feel like you you get this shorthand and it's no less risky, but generally, if you put good ingredients together and you make the links, you kind of just become comfortable with it's going to work. And you have this kind of driving confidence that sort of takes you forward to land you where you need to land. And it's much more comfortable even though you're doing new stuff, you know, you get more comfortable with it being a mess for a while. You learn that. So, yeah, I guess that's part of my defined creativity now, I guess. The other thing is really about renewal as well. My creativity is now defined by kind of like a long career mm-hmm. of renewal and I think that's been part of a technique to learn renewal of the matter of what I'm doing as well. So I think it's like a really big thing if you can have a technique that just keeps refreshing, refreshing, renewal, um, that's pretty great as well. I I think it takes a lot of effort and energy as well to do that because it's a pursuit. Yeah. It's not a, it's not, it's not an end point. No. Well, it's the fun. It's, it's the work is the fun. I I think, you know, I want to delve back into where, you know, you've talked about what the create the, the your style of creativity looks like now, but where does it come from? And obviously, I've heard stories about your childhood and your past in Adelaide and you, your family. And um, I think it could be a great TV series or like <laughs> a, a dramedy. Or um, but um, t- tell us a bit about where your creative comes from and where your creativity comes from. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I might. In one sentence, my childhood set me up for being creative, um, which is it's so true um, that I had that freedom to express myself when I was younger and had incredible experiences that fueled that. And, you know, that's been spoken about a lot about that, the trips to the ballet with my grandmother and all of that sort of stuff. But I guess what I've taken from that is that I give myself the space and permission to keep my inner child. You know, I'm an adult in an adult world. I pay taxes. 
have children and marry yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, I have a husband. And have, and, uh, yeah. You know, I've done life as well. Yeah, but I do. You know, how do you be an older creative, but still keep this freshness? I guess, which is uh, something I'm kind of interested in, and I give myself permission to be that. Um, when we have to be creative, I give myself permission to do that. Yeah, which is which is good. And then you just dig from the core. <laughs> How do you stay energized when the world gets in the way? I guess I've looked at how much work I do as well. You know, my game my game now is to have the highest quality work, but not too much of it. Right. So I've sort of managed to get a bit more of a balance of actual actually living and doing amazing things. So I think the fact that I'm not working all the time and not as tired anymore because I took a year off, it's actually helped fuel that. And that's something I'm a massive fan of. It's like I think it might have been Pablo Picasso who said, if you're tired, don't quit, rest. And I think that's genius. And I, I, I like people, you know, I didn't have a gap year, so that was like my gap year. I, I think yeah. there's a lot to it's be good. said for respite. And totally. I always talk about it in, say, a retail environment. So when you walk into a store and there's product everywhere and it's shouting at you and it's desperate for you to pick it up and buy it, I need gaps. I need a beautiful Breather. installation or I need a, <laughs> a, a brand message or something that actually separates the constant selling from you know me trying to make a decision. Um, so I, I think that's spot on and I, I guess it's often a challenge in a frenetic career or a frenetic world where how do you find that time um, to, to, to get respite and to get the perspective? Mm, I, I just take away the things that are extraneous. It's a millennial saying, but the things that don't serve me, you know, and I've always managed to do that. Like, you know, when we had the big house and the, everything, I lowered my standards of housekeeping, you know, <laughs> so I can concentrate on, you know, having friends to dinner but then doing the work the next day. So I feel, yeah. In real time, where do you get your creativity from? So, you you know, I, this morning when we started chatting, you talked about a piece of music you just heard. How many of those moments are happening throughout your day? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I mean, it doesn't drive me crazy or anything. I'm just no voices in the head. No, not well, maybe. <laughs> I can see things. Ooh. I feel like once again, it's this technique of anything I see anywhere I go. I'm not like anxiously taking notes, but I'm observing what this feels like. You know, if I go into a restaurant, oh, what is this? I'm taking my body, my ears, my eyes. I'm just like. I'm full immersed in where I am and just soaking up that feeling. And then I learn something from that. Which is, I mean, I think that's probably an incredible lesson that you could share with anyone who hears this, which is, you know, ha receive everything in a, through a creative lens and then it comes out some way, shape or form. Exactly. And I feel like if you take it all in and that's, you know, part of it is you take it all in and then you decide what's relevant and what's not, what you want to bring in to express what you don't. And then somehow all of those observations as you're going about your daily life, when you come to pull at your creative core, 
they're at the back of the cassette player. You know, like they're there in the brain ready to, they just come forward. Those ideas come forward and just come out, I guess. So I'm going to ask a really practical question. How do you do that in a world where everyone's on their phone and the phone sucks you in and, you know, how do you look up instead of looking down or look out? I guess being a part of a team is a really great way to hone that because if you're having a brainstorm with someone, they can't actually be on a phone. So I feel like um, working with people is a really great way to do that. Sometimes if you're on your own, you can get a bit in your own head and I feel like the best things we've done have been team things where we've talked about things and just staying present. I mean, I grew up in an analogue world. I feel like, my, you know, I grew up in the dirt world and now there's the digital. So I'm still having the benefit of the analogue smashed over by the digital, which I really like. You know, obviously computers weren't around. I didn't have a telly till I was nine. So I feel like this digital overlay now, I quite like. I think it's great. I'm not amazing, you know, at it, but I get it and I understand what it does. And Instagram's really exciting. You can see amazing things on Instagram. I haven't got a problem with that. I love all those platforms. But at the end of the day, the creativity comes from you getting rid of all of that extraneous activity and almost getting into the subconscious mode where it just flows out of your brain, unformed onto the page or whatever your, you know, expression might be. I feel that's part of it, just getting it down and committing it to paper in a way or to verbally explaining what your idea is. And that's something, uh, you know, in a practical sense that we do all the time is we design with words. Um, I love that. Uh, so you touched on the um, exchange of ideas as a way to, 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 to maintain that creativity. And I think that leads nicely into looking at the team you've assembled as part of what you've christened the Gloss family and a part of the Gloss family by marriage, um, which I love. But to tell me about how you, you identify that in others first and then how you extract it um, in the team. Because, it, I mean, I think everyone recognises is recognises a really clear brand of creative that comes out of Gloss. It's really interesting. All of the people who've worked with me over the years have somehow, apart from their incredible creativity, managed to have this sort of gentle, diplomatic, calm with everything they do. I think one of the hallmarks of our team is that Everyone knows when to leave their ego at the door. I feel like everyone has this confidence but are very emotionally intelligent people. Like there's been no crazies in our team. I don't think maybe I'm the crazy. I don't know. But there are, you know, we have this saying that unless anyone is actually dying at the present moment, everything is okay. Like, I love that. I mean, it's a bit of a morbid thing, but, you know, things can be fixed. You know, it, keeping a perspective on work and what we do, we're the fun part of people's lives. It should never be, you know, sad or annoying or stressful in a certain way. It should be joyful. And, and I, I guess the way that we run our teams and the support we bring to one another 
is is pretty exciting as well. Going back to when you meet and when you assemble the team, like practically, is that something you think you've got a skill at in that in, in identifying the, the the not just the talent, but that demeanor um, that will will sit so nicely with the existing team culture. They, the culture. they talk about cultural yeah. fit, which is always it's not something I am conscious of. I don't know what it is that I do or how that happens. I guess that's the magic. I I fall in love with everyone in our team. You know, I love what they do. As soon as I see what they can do and how they express ideas, that is the thing I fall in love with. You know, the what they bring to the ideas, what they bring to the team. I love that. And luckily a lot of uh, the team have just worked with us on short projects to start with. I mean, I remember when Ross came in, you know, he was like, oh, no, I'm working somewhere else, but I could give you a day kind of at my time and we'd be excited about that. And eventually we sort of just got him to work, work more and more with us till you know, he was like, okay, well, I can work with you and enjoyed it. Um, I'm not so conscious of what that is with the team, but... I do know that this team that we've assembled um, have sustained this level of joy for me personally and for ourselves of what we've created and the fun we've had over a very long period of time. And, you know, when I see what all of the people are doing now in their careers and they're really, you know, fulfilling what their, their purpose their creative purpose, that is amazing. And that's what I love about our alumni. Well, I, I mean, I think that deserves acknowledgement in that, you know, not Gloss isn't just a successful business, but it's an ma- amazing platform for this group of creatives that are all doing, you know, essentially the best work of its type in, in Australia. So um, that's obviously a credit to you and that je ne sais quoi that you kind of bring to the the, um, it, the process. Um I find that particularly fascinating because it comes back to this idea where we've, you know, we've got a brand of creativity, but how do we commercialise that? Yes, And yes. how do we let it go into into the world um, and not constrain it? And yes. it's about sharing it, which is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, so, so with that team, how do you extract creativity, you know, on the day-to-day? What, what, what do you do to promote that? Include everyone. Yep. I think if you include people in your ideas generation, then it becomes everyone everyone's idea ideal, not just mine. Yep. So I think that's the first thing. And then something that I learned early on, um, when, actually when I was at Country Road, it was a team building thing. And it, I think it's a fairly well-known thing that they talk about giving people elbow room and it's like enough elbow room that you can express yourself. And, you know, I know at the end of the day things might be my call to make, but it's like I don't have to make every decision. I don't feel I have to control that, although I am fairly detailed, you know, which people I think in our team are, but I don't have to control every single thing. And I just try and... You know, I'm over-enthusiastic about everything. I think it's just getting this momentum and the vibe happening um, is what, okay, we're here to do work. Let's have some fun. Let's let's keep 
you know, it's positive. You've got to keep it positive. Uh, and I, I think that's, again, deserves acknowledgement because it's hard often to maintain that when you're running a business as well. So, um, totally. And I've seen, obviously, from the reverse side, um, living with someone who's worked in your team, you know, that, that, that positivity is is literally daily. Yeah. And oh, I, that's good. You know, I think Ross loved coming home and telling me what he'd done and usually involves standing around the Argar talking about TV shows or <laughs> gossip or, or – Working on boyfriends and girlfriends. Or <laughs> fashion or – Yeah, or what we've seen or heard. Yeah. And then I'd say, what, what work did you do? he go, oh, we worked on this. <laughs> Well, I guess it always has been about, like you said, Joel, it's a family. It's like the Gloss family. Yeah. Uh, so so in that creative process, how, how much do you rely on trends? It's really, I'm really super interested in what constitutes a trend, a zeitgeist, um, and your own personal core themes, I guess. So... At Gloss Creative, I like to think that everything we do is original. Um, I think we're also really great about knowing how to take bits of the fashion zeitgeist, and I do think fashion gives you so much um, inspiration and change that you can bring into your creative world. Um, I think that's a key thing that we've been able to do, and over time, you know, I've realised that we kind of have our own trends, if you like. Obviously, there's the creative trends, but also we have our favourite themes. So, you know, we've we've now defined our themes like we're into sci-fi romance. <laughs> we we everything we do is always has a spacey or an intergalactic kind of feel. We're into um, movement, anything that moves. You know, I always talk about that. You know, Alexander Calder is always on our mood boards. Um, uh, we love anything that's abstract um, and we're really into our colour palettes as well, usually dirty, usually dark <laughs> with a bit of floral or sparkle. You know, that's where our theme. So we love to like bring newness onto those, our own themes, I guess. And then, you know, when we're designing, we pull from an original core those sorts of, you know, drama and that sort of thing are always and this bigness and simplicity is always part of our trends, I guess, you know. It's funny because when you describe that, I'm thinking, yes, I see all of those things <laughs> in the work that you've done. But then the other part that I love is that it's everything looks fresh and everything looks um, specific to the project itself. So despite the fact that you've got a clear... Um, design direction as a, as a brand you're still able to marry that up with whatever the um whatever the brief is and i feel that's kind of exciting because we haven't been typecast because our even though you can sort of tell it's a gloss product we work across really divergent markets and projects you know one minute it's maybe it is out at the vrc and one minute it's on a luxury brand um, you know, a fashion brand or an alcohol brand or a car or whatever it is or, you know, art, the gala, those sorts of things, they're very different projects and I think that comes from, once again, the grounding that I had working in multiple brands. So we're the chameleons. We are, we're fickle and fake. We change. <laughs> we change our minds. So, you know, so we can, this understanding 
of brand and what it feels like when it's 3D, I think is the niche that we've created in terms of us working with like luxury clients, you know, the likes of Omega, those sorts of things, and Martin Chandon, but also too, sports girl sees as young and cool. <laughs> you know? So um, I think that's 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 been an amazing thing when I think about our creativity as well. I, I think that's you know an incredible insight into what Gloss is able to deliver. And I I think if I could give advice to any brand owner or you know marketing teams even have a conversation with Amanda and anyone um, from Gloss, you'll unlock some new thinking around around that 3D representation of your brand, which is the most important, you know. Um, so I think that's so astute it's and a really everything. key insight. And it leads nicely into this question around the Gloss brand itself because, you you know, you mentioned a couple there, but you've worked with an unbelievable array of brands in the 20 years um, and then prior, obviously. How would you describe gloss brand the gloss creative brand itself this is really interesting it's i mean i think it's so it's kind of so many things and sort of hard to for me to define because i come up with so many words and i've got like lots of them but i guess um one of the main things when i think about us is that we create this incredible emotive world so whether it's there for the long term or the short term and often i find Obviously, we work in temporary, but this sort of crazy thing where something that's there for so little time can have so much impact on people, that's something that I think is definitely our brand as well. Um, so, this sort of, we call it temporary and enduring emotion. Um, I think we're kind of self-determining um, and confident, I feel like. Yeah, this this confidence we feel like we can do anything we want I think when I think of us I think our visions are fairly resolved from a creative and a design point of view we've got obvious wow factor I mean there's so many words here I've got you know um, grand big constant consistent efficient detailed relaxed elevated schmoozy bougie somewhat camp <laughs> over enthusiastic and then in terms of who we are as people, we're kind of like warm, joyful, fun, youthful state of mind. I think we're kind. You know, I think we're collaborative and we're simple. Um, all of Actually, that's a whole other podcast about simplicity. I think that's a – it goes through everything we do, um, the back of the business as well. And uh, another thing is I think I feel like we're commercial as well. I think we are practical and we solve – through design and creativity, a lot of business problems. So I think, you know, our brand is a lot of things. It's actually hard for me to put it into, you know, five words. You've got a great bunch of words. I particularly <laughs> like schmoozy. Yeah. Oh, a, yeah. There's a whole business model in schmoozy. I love a schmooze. Yeah. <laughs> a relaxed, elevated schmooze yeah. is always good. <laughs> Very valuable. Yeah, totally. So I think you gave some incredible um, descriptions of, of the Gloss brand and definitely very marketable schmoozy I particularly like. Um, that one too. So you've recently moved to hip Collingwood and it's been a bit of a renaissance for you and um, energised you and I think it's probably added to your creative outlook. Imagine if Gloss Creative had a store front on Smith Street and you could walk in and you could browse the Gloss Creative offer. What would you sell? 
ooh, what would we sell? Well, there would be probably, there'd be flowers. I feel like there'd be flowers and there'd be amazing vases. There would be food. There would be really delicious, probably not that great for your food, but the windows would be amazing. So I feel like the place would be something that was out of the ordinary. Um, it would probably be quite a magical world. I guess so the cell, actually, now I'm thinking about it, would probably actually not be a thing. This, the cell, I guess, would be what it felt like. I want to buy that feeling. Yeah. I want you to pay me for it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, well, that, I mean, I think that's a great starting point for what this um, series is going to deliver. And we've touched on a lot of aspects of what drives your creativity. So there's endless avenues we can go down with that. Definitely. And it's been really nice having you here with me to start that journey. Um, a bit boring on your own so I'm really <laughs> happy that you've been here with me and yeah and good luck for your podcast as well John. So let's make way now for the team they're coming in to talk about how to put the mood board together. <laughs> 